0: Welcome to an extremely unique
1: episode of cloud and clear we've never really done this before um i'm actually co-hosting this one for the first time with my amazing chief marketing officer say hi noreen
0: hi everyone hi tony
1: not only uh, do i have a co-host for this episode but we have two fabulous guests so a total of four people at the same time on one cloud and clear and really on the back of something really major that just happened at SADA. So the timing of this is fantastic. Joining Noreen and I, two very special guests from Siegel & Gale. Please join in welcoming Margaret Malloy, the Chief Marketing Officer for Siegel & Gale.
2: Hello, everyone. Thrilled to be on.
1: And of course, joining her also is Matthias Menke, the Group Creative Director for Siegel & Gale.
3: Hello, everyone. Excited to be here. Thank you for including us.
1: This is a really exciting time. We have just announced, just a week ago, the biggest marketing initiative that SADA has ever undertaken. It's something we've never done for the entire 20 years of existence. We went through a massive global rebrand. And just in case you're wondering, where the geniuses who helped us along this journey. Uh, that's what this podcast is here about today. Um, so I'm gonna start off with Margaret, who herself is the chief marketing officer of a, of a major marketing and branding strategy company, which is an interesting role in itself, right? It's like being a, a CTO of a tech company. So from that standpoint, I'm just extremely curious, uh, Margaret, to learn more about your role, how you got to this position, and a little bit about your background.
2: Certainly, so I will tell you, I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel Gale. We are a preeminent brand strategy, design, and experience firm. We've been around for over 50 years, and our ethos is very much centered in simplicity. So that's the firm. My own journey uh, has been quite circuitous. I was born and raised in Ireland, came to the United States after college, have done essentially a tour of duty in Practically every marketing function, primarily client-side, and now I find myself leading marketing at Siegel & Gale, I should say in full disclosure, I've worked very adjacent to your sector. I h- held a variety of marketing jobs at Siebel Systems after business school and thoroughly enjoyed that and gained a deep appreciation for the importance of partnerships, for sales-led marketing, and indeed your world in terms of the importance of technology in enabling customer experience. So it might surprise you that uh, I've been lurking in your space a little bit.
1: I don't think it's surprising at all. I think it's certainly one of the reasons we selected Siegel and Gale because of the past performance was so clear and evident, Uh, but also we found a a tremendous culture fit just in this sort of simplest smart tagline that resonated with us. And I think it actually represents itself in what we ended up doing together in terms of what we released last week. So um, that's quite uh, a wonderful match as we've seen, and I think in a lot of ways, our work together has just started. I wanna talk about your view on branding right now, not only right now in terms of 2020, sort of as an evolution of technology in our space and cloud technologies, et cetera, but also in the midst of um, what's happening with the global pandemic. I think you also bring a very unique perspective because much like we tried to do, you've created sort of a corpus of thought leadership in what you host in your own podcast, uh, which is called the future of branding. Um, it's a series. Uh, Noreen was on it recently, and I think that ended up being fantastic. I listened to it last week. But tell me about your view based on everything you've learned by just the work that Siegel and Gale does, but also by the by the podcast that you run.
2: So that's a very rich and layered question. <laughs> so I'll start as we often do at Siegel and Gale by keeping things simple. And for me, I'll anchor this in the definition of brand. Brand, for me, has always been the promise. The promise a company and organization makes with its community. And inherent in promise is a relationship. It's essentially an expectation that you're setting around the relationship you're going to have with someone. Now, I know many of your listeners and viewers are not in the world of branding. So when I talk to colleagues who are not working in brand day to day, and they ask me to define the concept, I anchor it in, what's the job to be done? Clayton Christensen's work. What is the job that brand has to do? And it varies significantly across the funnel. But at the heart of it, brand is a navigation device. It helps customers, buyers, users identify your product. It can also be a mechanism for users, customers, people to show their own identity and express themselves through the brand. So that's the job the brand has to do. Now, at the beginning of the funnel, the brand to do that job needs to be memorable. It needs to stand out. It needs to be identifiable. As the customer moves through the funnel, it needs to serve as a tiebreaker to help in decisioning. And then further along, as they move through their journey with the organization, it helps in the notion of advocacy. It helps them advocate for you. So with that as a framework, then it begs the question, what are the benefits of brands? And really the difference, if we all think about it, For a brand versus a commodity, a brand has meaning. It is that relationship. So like all relationships, when you have a brand-based experience, you are perhaps more likely to forgive a company when it makes a mistake. And from a commercial standpoint, brands command a premium. People are willing to pay more for brands in every facet of our lives, in B2B and in B2C. So I think for our listeners, it's important to have that perspective. In summary, I would say at Siegel & Gale, we take a very expansive view of branding. It is the summation of the narrative you put in market and every customer interaction your company has with someone else, be it customers, employees, the community. So that's a sort of a tour through the world of branding. And, and we can speak later if, if appropriate in terms of branding right now in COVID.
1: Yeah, I think that when I think of branding for Sada, what we went into it um, believing is that you know it should be how it should be expressive of how it feels to work at Sada, of how it feels to engage with SADA as a partner or as a customer. And you know, we really wanted to for that to come through. I think we've done that, you know, exceptionally well. It's not easy to get that right, but you know, that's what I wanted to do, and I wanted it to be 360. And and Noreen and I were very aligned with this. It was as important for how it made people that work at Sada feel as it did for people that were choosing between Sada and somebody else in market to to be their a cloud partner for their journey. So. Um, that's that's uh, the way that you frame that is very uh, exciting, but also very explanatory of why people do it in the first place. And I haven't heard anybody put it quite that way. And uh, I think our audience is really gonna enjoy uh, noodling on that for their own branding journey in the future. Um, now you've done this sort of CMO study, and I don't know if it's something that you do regularly or what the sort of cadence is of that, but I know you did one recently, And in your view, what were some of the uh, learnings from that that uh, were produced?
2: So we at Siegel and Gale essentially interviewed over 20 CMOs from across the world early in COVID. And our thought process was to create, if you will, an oral history of how CMOs are responding to the crisis. And we're continuing to do so longitudinally throughout the pandemic. Fascinating learnings for me. I have tremendous respect for these CMOs in terms of the tensions they are navigating from protecting revenues of the company to ensuring employee safety, from playing a role in society to thinking about continuity of the business, and frankly, from showing empathy and alignment with society and yet being distinctive. So these are tremendous tensions they are trying to navigate if you were to ask me to isolate one meta theme, an overarching theme that emerges for me is the theme of fortitude. I think of fortitude plainly as strength in the face of reality. And as I reflect on the qualities these CMO are exhibiting in how they are cultivating that fortitude, three things stand out for me. The first is they're embracing constraints. There is no compare and despair. Anchored in a strong sense of brand purpose and buoyed by agility and a learning mindset, they are unleashing dramatic creativity and undaunting resolve. They are also embracing teamwork. By demonstrating solidarity, they are Opening the minds of their employees and the community to new possibilities around partnership. And in as a result, they are unleashing dramatic solidarity and swift action. And they are also embracing the notion of humility. And that's exhibiting itself in their willingness to share knowledge in their openness to ask questions, and also in their capacity to unlearn. In many cases, they are leaving behind old marketing plans, old content, old paradigms that are no longer relevant to emerge relevant in this context. So tremendous respect for the CMOs and tremendous desire to continue to convene this community and share the insights we are learning with the broader marketing and indeed business community.
1: It's an interesting time. Anytime there's a downturn uh, of this type, and there's layoffs and there's uncertainty, you really look at from a leadership standpoint all the uh, activities that the business conducts, and and you really have to make decisions around what are we going to do in recruiting, what are we going to do in uh, engineering, what are we going to do in R and D, what are we going to do in marketing, and that question comes up. So, what do you do in a crisis? Do you retract? Do you pounce? Do you get more aggressive? Certainly it seems, and and you can tell the good companies uh, from the bad in terms of how quickly you can pivot and adapt. And I think I see this as a time where it's the biggest test of culture and agility that a company could face, especially in a black swan event of this type and magnitude with no precedent, with no playbook.
2: Absolutely right, and I'd offer a further hypothesis, Tony, the way brands and companies are responding to this crisis is a function of the culture they built pre-pandemic. Yes. I believe that's really an interesting observation because you've got to be ready. No one has a playbook, as you identified, for a pandemic. But if you create the conditions in an organization where agility is respected, where there's curiosity, where there is innovation... Where there's a recognition that empathy is important and everyone's perspective is valued, and where there's capacity for change and willingness to unlearn, then you are set up for any shock, essentially, which ostensibly the pandemic is. At
3: the same yeah. time, I would argue though, that you you can't not lose your true core, right? What's authentic to you? You gotta really understand what it is. And I think we've all seen received many communications during COVID, which felt in, you know, disingenuous and just not authentic to the brand as we sort of see this particular brand was in the communication. So I think it's critical that you know who you are and what you believe in and uh, really hold these, these values uh, really dear and, and therefore understand also how to react to a crisis because you really can always come back to center. You know what's actually authentic to you.
2: One of the themes that came from these CMOs is their focus on purpose and the recognition that purpose is that powerful filter that helps them in decision-making, that helps them rally the troops and respond to the community.
1: Right. Yeah, No, I think the the strategy of being able to convey these things to uh, stakeholders internally and externally at all times is really important. Even more important at time of crisis Um, and we've seen our own customers you know from the technology angle those who had done the foundational work of building a company that was agile that was ready for anything their pandemic experience was remarkably different than those that hadn't and I think that's the way that um, companies tend to show up from even a, a public you know brand marketing standpoint at the time of the crisis as well the internal technical execution is what we have a lens into from the customers we serve. And I think you have a lens from the marketing side of how companies are showing up right now in COVID. And I think that's a, a very important distinction. With that note, um, I'd like to hand it over to Nareen because, you know, I tell you, this journey is not easy. <laughs> it's very difficult, I think, not only to find the language and the feelings, you know, that are... Um, in sort of a written form, but translating that to a collection of you know feelings and graphics and visual components is definitely not in my sort of innate comfort zone. And that was where some of the magic, I think, really happened. So I'll turn that over to Nareen and Matthias to kind of talk us through how that all went down for SADA.
0: Thank you, Tony. Um, it has been an exciting journey with Siegel and Gail. Um, uh, You know, I've been with the company for almost eight years and I've been wanting to rebrand for quite some time. Um, And we've had so much growth and, you know, pivots, as you mentioned, that we've had to do uh, and and new competitors entering into the landscape. And for us to make sure that we're number one across the board from professional services, from technology services and consulting Uh, in the Google Cloud ecosystem, it was really important for us now to make sure that our brand represented us fully. And over the 20 years, we had outgrown our brand and we needed to make sure that we were coming to market, especially now uh, fully representing who we are, what we do, how we do it, what is our culture about, what is our inner DNA about. And so when we set out to find an agency who understood us um, and culturally was a fit, uh, we knew right off the bat that Siegel and Gail was that agency um, from the first meeting that we had. And I think you and I met afterwards. We're like, "Wow, they're amazing. They totally get it.
1: Yeah. yeah so kudos so, <laughs> to your LA team, um, you know, and Jason and Shauna and everybody else. Just a fantastic group of people. For sure. And you know, one thing, Noreen gives me a hard time about waiting so long to rebrand, but I always feel like everything's serendipitous and to, you know, tw- 20 years is the perfect time and all of that. But I do have to say that just like the technology strategy decisions that we help our customers go through, it's like they certainly shouldn't wait until this catastrophic failure to change into a cloud strategy, right? Uh, or to a DevOps strategy or whatever. And I certainly think you don't have to wait for a down year to rebrand. Part of it is like, we're doing so well. Why rebrand? Actually, it's not like, wait until you're no longer doing well and then think about it. I think that's the wrong way to think about brand.
0: Exactly. And that was a question we were constantly asked. SADA is at their A game. Why do you want to rebrand right now? Everyone knows who SADA is. Um, So we really had to dig deep in our research and competitive landscape making sure that we're you know representing ourselves and our field is representing us in the way that we felt true to us. And Siegel and Gail um, and Gina and the team really helped bring that to the forefront through all of their research, through all of their you know discussions with not only uh, on an executive management level, but also our customers, right? What do our customers think of us and how do we represent ourselves to them? So uh, it, it was uh, really insightful for us to get that feedback, that 360 view um, from, from the, our partners, from the competitors and from our customers to really understand like, you know, what, how do we represent and who do we think we are and how can we bridge that gap? So, uh, in working with Matthias and the team, I, I, I can't thank you all enough. Um, Matthias has uh, certainly challenged us where we need to be, to be challenged. Um, but I want to go way back, Matthias. I want to <laughs> okay. go back to our first meeting, and I want to, uh, you know, understand from your creative perspective where you felt like you know your first impression was with Sada, and then in talking with us, where you were like. This is what they're missing. What was that connection
3: for you? I mean, I think certainly there, we felt that the, the organization had outgrown the brand expression, right? It didn't represent the stature and the maturity and sort of the performance of the organization anymore. And to us, there was an important takeaway that we need to really find a brand expression that really does justice to all the success you had. Um, over the years right and so that 's one important insight in addition we we really saw a very strong culture right and often that's that 's a big differentiator from one brand to the next right it doesn 't just come down to the speeds and feeds it really comes down to the culture the people who develop these solutions for your clients and that was something we really picked up on and we felt like you know what we need to come up with a An expression that captures a little bit of spirit, the can do attitude and the the sort of the performance and the dynamism of the organization, but also a little bit sort of this, this challenger attitude, right? We're not afraid to tell a client that, you know, hey, you have this idea of what you need to do, but actually this might be a better solution for you in your particular situation. And so that, that spirit we really try to capture in an expression that is, is bold. It's assertive, assertive, has a confidence yet also reflects the stature of the organization as it is today and also as it will be going forward, right? We need to make sure that this is not just a a snapshot in time that is relevant for you today. It actually has a longevity and the elasticity to grow with you over time as your organization also continues to grow, right? So it needs to be really built to continue on the successful path and support you there and give you all the tools you need in order to express
0: that. Yes, definitely. And I, I feel that, um, you know, through that relationship, um, uh, we built trust and uh, respect for, for each other and for each other's team. And, and there were times where we might've disagreed a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> the eruption. um, especially on some of the visuals, um, but I I truly believe, and being on the agency side in my past life, um, I always think it's it's important to keep an open mind uh, and and really trust the the out of the box kind of thinking that's brought from an agency that you hire. Uh, otherwise, you're stuck in your bubble a little bit. So tell us on on you know your thought process in working with clients such as Sada. When you have kind of views that are not exactly aligned on some visuals, tell us how you brought us back to to (laughs) (laughs) a decision, because I I loved how you always did that.
3: Well, I mean, I think one important aspect of our work is that it's it's fact-based, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned how we actually did an initial uh, deep dive into your business, into what your customers say, into the competitive landscape. And those kind of insights are really important to keep in mind, because when it comes, comes to uh, creative expression, it's really hard to take out your you know, subjective likes and dislikes and really evaluate in an objective manner to understand what's actually best for the brand. So that's an important consideration. I think we did this throughout the process really well that we always came back to, okay, what's actually working for us as a brand? What's meaningful? What reflects our culture? What, what reflects our business objectives? And therefore, we can identify the right treatments. I mean, in the end of the day, your brand expression is a means to an end, right? It needs to help you uh, meet your business objectives, and it needs to communicate really effectively the promise of the brand. And so therefore, it's really a tool. It's It's not an art show. It's not a beauty parade, right? It's a tool to get people excited about what you can bring to the table, how you can help them. And you, we need to really identify the right means to do that. And so I think that's important in our process that we always come back to that. Okay, let's take a step back. We don't agree on this. We have different opinions about this. How can we evaluate this and collectively as a team come to an agreement of what's the right approach here? And it doesn't mean that that it's necessarily what I want, right? It's really a collective decision so that we arrive at something that really serves you well because in the end of the day, you need to love it. You need to be able to grow with it and really embrace it as something that you own?
0: Well, we love it. <laughs> uh, everyone at Sada loves it. Uh, certainly, you know, from, from the rebrand last week, uh, we've heard nothing but amazing feedback. Um, everyone is excited to wear this brand proudly. Um, but now that we have launched, certainly it doesn't end here, Right. Um, It is a journey forward, as you said, uh, with this new representation, this new um, SADA. Uh, I wanted to kind of go back to Margaret and, and really touch on the longevity of the brand. And how do you represent as a CMO down to the field? down across multiple channels and really make sure that you're always coming back to that core dna of your brand and what what are the best practices from that
2: that we can all learn from i'll I'll offer some thoughts and matthias i'm sure you can jump in as well i think it begins with knowing your purpose and having a really clear vision on what is the intersection of what your company is doing and what the the world needs. So anchoring it all in brand purpose. Then that expansive view that I suggested at the beginning, making sure that that purpose comes to life at every touch point. And some of that requires the recognition and, if you will, a willingness to lose control, if you will, on the part of the CMO. Because guess what? The brand comes to life more and more outside the marketing communications. Mm -hmm. So, every time someone touches your brand, in your case, in the services realm, in the client realm, in your communications with the colleagues at Google, how does that brand come to life? It's much bigger than the communications. And the important point there is they have to be aligned, meaning you don't want dissonance between what the marketing communications is promising and the actual experience the community of users and people are having with your brand. So it's really all about a mindset. And I would say in the final analysis, it's about commitment. When you create a brand, as Matthias underlined, you're articulating a promise in the market. So that in and of itself serves as a filter for all activities. How are we keeping our promise? And that's a helpful question I would offer for marketers and all leaders to keep in mind, matthias, what would you add?
3: Well, I think I go go point back to how do you create sort of brand ambassadors right internally um and you know within we actually have an interesting research tool where we can look at the internal audience and uh, understand. How what their relationship with the brand and the organization is and how they view their role within the organization. And it tells us a little bit sort of what kind of camp they fall into. Uh, we have usually four camps we divide people into, but there's some that really, they understand the brand really, really well. And they're you know, great champions for the brand. And those are the people you really want to have. But then there are also people who have no clue what the brand is about. And you want to make sure you include them, right? You want to find ways and tools and means to communicate to them why are we here what's the purpose as market said of our organization what's the promise we are delivering to our customers and partners and then you also have other people who are actually sort of their renegades who are super committed but they have their own agenda right and and they're really great sort of powerhouses for getting business in the door and you know sort of creating revenue and creating preference for their sort of little Uh, sort of ecosystem within the brand, but you want to bring them in, right? You want to make sure they actually sort of sing from the same song sheet. So there, again, you need to develop these tools in order to bring these people in. Because as Margaret said, every single interaction uh, a customer and outside audience has with your brand really sort of contributes to the overall perception of who you are and what you bring to the world. And you want to make sure that every single one really meets your sort of objectives, and what you set out to do uh, as an organization. So it all needs to fit together. You need to bring these people really in, and there are different groups. You need to find means to bring all these different players in.
2: And maybe to build on that, one of the pitfalls we often see is clients have so much momentum around the launch of the rebrand that they run out of resources, resources defined as budget, uh, energy, and time, to, to essentially activate that brand internally and externally. So recognizing that the launch is just the beginning yeah. or the rebrand is just the beginning and that mindset. So much of this comes back to mindset and leadership support. And that mindset that the brand is an ongoing relationship, it's not an identity that gets put in market on a particular date and time and that we have a lovely party surrounding, but rather you activate it throughout the, um, the, the length and breadth of the company.
3: Yeah. It's interesting because there's, there used to be the belief that we're developing a great identity. We, we develop a, a thick book of brand identity guidelines. And then we're done.
0: Right? Yeah.
3: Nothing can happen. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we get the clients who approach us and say, hey, I need a new logo. And, and we're like, well, wait a second. You know, oh, what's, what's going on here, right? Usually that's sort of a red flag. Do we want to work with this partner? Because really brand is not about that. It's not one and done. It's really something that has to be cared for, nurtured, protected. And um, it's really critical that that's sort of a daily job, right? Um, it's not something you just do once with a party, as Margaret said, and then you think you're done.
0: Absolutely, uh, I I wholeheartedly um, you know believe the longevity of the the brand identity that we have created um, will be activated in every touch point that we have with our partnership with Google, um, but also new partnerships that we are developing, um, customers, current customers and prospective customers that we have yet to engage with, Um, but also, you know, through various uh, thought leadership and advocacy and community participation as well. Um, One thing that's really important for us is to, to give back to the community and to make sure that our core values. are are really being represented through our brand and working with different nonprofit organizations, different causes that that are near and dear to our hearts. Um, And that, that activation comes through not in just the business partnerships that we have, but also the community partnerships that we have. And for the next generation of you know technology enthusiasts or leaders that are coming um you know through through various backgrounds and various communities we want to make sure that our brand is represented with them as well and what it means to kind of grow into it moving forward so uh, tony i know that's that's been really important for you to bring into the forefront
1: yeah what well, was really exciting and I think contributed to to such an incredible outcome is that we had a lot of those attributes already. Like that was part of our culture, part of how we were showing up. Um, And the authenticity piece, super critical, like what good is a tagline or a brand narrative if it falls down at the first interaction somebody has with your organization? Continuity is critical, but I remember going through the process with, with Gina and team of like putting words to those feelings, to those desired outcome of an of a engagement with SADA at any level. Like that was almost an emotional moment because it connected the dots. I was like, wow, that sounds exactly like the people we want to work here, you know, or that sounds exactly like how we're different than just hiring, you know, a global systems integrator, you know, to, to work with. Um, and, and yeah, the consistency was key. And then the fact that we already had a very clear cause, like in the context of the infinite game, we talk about a just cause. If we're not, um, trying to win a game that's finite, why do we get up in the morning? What keeps us going? Why not just exit like all of our competitors are doing? We had that expression of the just cause, and that really speaks to, um, using this momentum, using the growth, using the um, uh, the income of the company to give back in a meaningful way, using the platform of the company, using the people within the company to give back in a meaningful way that really speaks to that cause or the set of causes. The way it came out in the branding was just so powerful because we've never experienced the level of cohesiveness that uh, that work uh, product produced for us,
3: and Tony, it's interesting, um, you know, talking about sort of giving back, right? I mean, we see this more and more that brands are sometimes more trusted to drive meaningful meaningful change than than you know governments and other institutions. Yeah, and you know, with with social media and sort of the uh, being scrutinized in every point of of communication and action, it's it's really important that this cohesiveness in the way the the brand not only communicates but also behaves really comes through. So giving back to the community, um, letting them partake in your success is really important and really can also really amplify the purpose of the organization. And uh, in turn, again, drive preference, right? People see that these guys at SADA, they really stand behind what they're doing. You know, they're, they're really supporting just causes here. Uh, not just in a business-related matter, but also in sort of more of a societal matter uh, realm. And so that's it's really critical. We see that brands and brand, brands are more and more scrutinized and evaluated by those kind of behaviors.
1: Yeah, I think it's completely possible to do good and be a for-profit co- uh, corporation. I think it's completely possible to do that. I also believe that if you want the world to look different, you can't just look on the you know just be a you know in the stands observing and criticizing like if you want there to be more female engineers hire more develop more at various stages of their career if you want uh people from underrepresented communities i know uh i'm talking to uh, actually all of us are immigrants on this call <laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough but you know maybe immigrants that had more privilege than other immigrants based on where they came from and how and their circumstances but we believe that the American dream is alive and that immigrants who come from nothing should have the opportunity to work in tech and cloud, which is super exciting and well-paying. Like, let's go into those communities and source talent from those communities, right? And, you know, also, Matthias, yes, that's not why we do it, because of brand preference. But we do believe that there's such there's such thing as, as a virtuous set of um, s- uh, cycles and structures that get created by all these activities actually matching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You do what you say and you say what you do and the stuff you do produces better outcomes and like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a set of virtuous cycles that sort of, whether it's cosmic or not, it just works to everyone's benefit and we can't wait for others to fix those things. We just have to take an active role if we're in a position to, um, to make the world look different.
3: Right, absolutely
0: when we uh finalized our messaging and our and the simple idea of together we're all in kind of showed up you know uh on the screen we were yes yes that's it <laughs> um so it it really wrapped up in in just a small four words that said everything that we're about and together with our partners, together with our customers, together with our community, we're all in. And you're right, Matthias, oftentimes brands do actually make more of a difference and drive more change and a revolution from a social perspective. And we really wanted to, you know, represent this simple idea in everything that we do uh, and every touch point of our company and it really resonated with us. And that's our promise is that, you know, that our promise is together we're going to make a change. Together we're going to drive transformation um, and really empowering people to change how they work, how they run their business, how they improve their communities. And we we truly believe technology is at the core of all of that.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I'm even reminded of the the beginnings of our creative process on the design side right i know we had we had our brand platform we had all the facts all the insights that um you know led us through creative exploration but we also hit a wall at some point right where we didn't we didn't arrive at a result that you felt was really touching on that core um and it was interesting because i at that point i was thinking okay how do we how do we get to a place where we unlock some new ideas right and and so we actually uh, did something our naming group does a lot where they assign a blind brief, as we call it, to designers and they do it to their naming uh, strategists. We did it for our designers where we literally told them we didn't disclose the company at all. We didn't disclose that we work on SADA. We gave them some uh, sort of a brief that we developed based on the strategic input and sort of the, the, sort of the values we're trying to tease out in the brand personality. And we told them essentially this identity is for a performance brand, either there was an athletic performance brand or an automotive performance brand, because we knew sort of we wanted to capture the drive, the spirit of the organization, the drive to create positive outcomes, right? And also sort of this this encouraging nature that you find in athletic brands, athletic performance brands. So, and that actually, interesting enough, that led us to this place where we unearthed that idea that really resonated with you, where you felt like, you know what, that's it. That really captures who we are and the spirit of the organization. So, what's interesting for us as well in the process, we actually um, had to take a you know a turn at some point to try something new to get really to this to this interesting place that everybody uh, loves and feels is right for the brand.
0: Absolutely, and and thank you for uh, being open to you know <laughs> d- digging a little deeper. To really find something that that uh, truly resonated and hit home for us, and um, awesome. I again, uh, you know, just want to thank everyone at Siegel and Gale. This has been one of the best experiences of my career in working with an agency, uh, and we're, you know, we're not done. We're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Margaret. Thank you, Matias. Uh, I just call out to your your teams uh, dedicated to, to our journey and our success. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing. No
3: it's good. been a great ride. <laughs> Thank you for helping
1: us find our voice, find our image, um, express what is the most important thing to us in a way that I believe only Siegel and Gale could have. Um, and uh, we're really excited about what the next decade looks like for our partnership and for our, for both of our companies.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Cloud & Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and & Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.